On this week's episode of Devil's Trap Podcast, we've got Daddy Dean and Sam with the receipts. We're going to help you with some party planning. You can have games like the Rat Toss. We'll also introduce you to our caterers who have many flavors of ghost cake. Let's do this. episode of devil's trap podcast i'm diana and i'm liz and we're going to talk about season three episode 13 ghost facers ghost ghost facers so excited we have so much shit to get through during this episode so uh quickly diana what have you been doing um, I have not been doing much after our holiday season. I took some like quiet downtime, luckily, uh, though I did have a very fun outing. My husband and I had a great uh, afternoon exploring Italy this weekend, which is the amazing store. And did you have a spicy meatball? We bought some, they weren't spicy, but I did bring some meatballs home and I cooked them last night for dinner. But Yum. did you cook them in the air fryer? I did not. We did a pork loin in the air fryer tonight, by the way. I will have to send you that recipe. Strong recommend. Anyways, but uh, I, was, I was impressed. I was like, I didn't feel like throwing a pork, pork loin in the oven all day. So whatever. Anyway, so um, we went to Italy and we drank a lot of wine and we had uh, lots of meats and cheeses and some amazing bolognese and then um, brought a bunch of shit home and I made gorgonzola stuffed gnocchis. Mm. Liz knows how I feel about gorgonzola. Wait, so. did you stuff the, the gnocchi no, or I somebody them. else? Okay. I was like, damn. I, you're going to be really impressed. No, I was like, no, no. I bought them. I made a lovely um, caprese style salad, though, with some really good house mozzarella. But no, we had a really good time. Um, it's just a really fun shopping experience. It's a huge store. We had wine, we had food, we bought a bunch of groceries, we made multiple meals out of it. Uh, and then we had some espresso because we needed to drive home <laughs> from the mall because it's sip and shop kind of set up. So yeah, it was a nice time on a shitty weather day. Uh, it's really about it here. We're just, um, you know, watch, watching yeah, I- watching sports ball. Cowboys, come on, we're doing all right. And that's what I got for my entertaining life. And so I'm just drinking and I'm drinking a very generic Pinot Noir tonight. Here we go. Ooh, Noir. Ooh. Using my cute glass that my uh brother and his wife got me. It's got my name on it. Thanks, Aww, Jamie. Thank you. How about you? We were both drinking at the same time. We both time. sipped at the same adorable. time. It was a sip, it was a sip break. Um, so how about you? I have been painting a bookcase. You have. I feel like that's all I've been doing because it's all <laughs> I've been doing because uh, so I like, as I said last time, I've been on this major re- home reorganization. Mm-hmm. And so I had started painting my coffee table and then I was like, man, it was like the coffee table right now is kind of in a gold and black state and it's probably going to go to all gold and it may have a spirit board on top of it. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. I'm thinking that, but 
I was doing that. I was looking at my espresso colored bookcases and I was like, these would be really cute if they had gold inside of them. And so yeah. the out of it will be that dark, you know, dark black and the inside would be gold. And I was like, well, shit, I'm about to redo all my library organization. So I need to take, it was like, so I took all the books out mm-hmm. and I was like, this will be a quick thing. I'll just like slap on a, a coat of paint. And, right. and I went for like the first coat of paint, like when the cubes I'm like, oh, you need a primer because you didn't sand these because you're a lazy bitch. But I was like, nah, I can get away with that. It's Ikea, right? Like I can just paint on this shit. And then I was like, oh, wow. now you need a primer. Yeah. So then the only primer I could find was white. Um, so that means when I put the first layer of gold on top of it, then it had white streaks coming through it on what is, which looks really stupid with a black, black bookcase outside so then i had to mix black paint with the gold in order to get the background of it to kind of have so where the where the bottom color comes through like it at least makes sense then i ran out of paint (laughs) then i got new paint from amazon uh yes i sometimes i shop from the evil and uh so i basically we all, like we all do our best to resist the we, evil but sometimes our, we succumb sometimes you convenience need some fucking as a motherfucker the next day because you have piles of books all over your fucking house and it's insane so um yeah so and to be I, clear yes we are saying amazon is the devil but yes we all try to I mean, yeah, and I'm, we use I'm, it sometimes. I'm, Sorry. I'm evil anyway. So none of us are, none of us are I, don't, I don't have a soul. What does it matter? Uh, so, but today before we recorded, I finished the last coat of the gold paint. I think um, the tape will be removed. I'll do some touch-ups, do some sealing, and then finally can go to organizing the books. But this should be a good week. Fingers crossed. Uh, if plans I have don't go to shit uh should be getting to see last podcast the left live on Thursday they did a streaming episode last night which was hilarious and weird um but I'm excited to go see something out and you know not yeah and then Saturday going to high rum for a prohibition cocktail lesson I'm very I'm very stoked for those things so um I am drinking it I I would say it's a Karen wine but it's a shark because it's a chardonnay Right, but it's from Senor, and I don't think I I don't think they allow Karens there. So okay, so jealous of your Signor stock. All right. Well, I'm gonna well, drink it all in the next like couple of days. So, all right. So this episode, oh my gosh. Oh. All right. So we've got there's a lot of background on this. So guys, just just buckle up. We we got a lot of shit to talk about. All right. So Ghost Facers, uh, this was season three, episode 13. It was first aired April 24th, 2008. It was directed by Phil Scriccia, our favorite suit wearing dude, and was written by Ben Edlund. Um, so first note on this, uh, Eric said that he loved it from the moment Ben first came up with it. He comes into the room and says, hey, do you remember those characters, Ed and Harry from season one, the Hellhounds? Well, I think they have their own reality show. And I think they're filming an episode of the reality show and on video and Sam and Dean stumble into the reality show. The show is called Ghost Facers. And here's the theme song. I wrote it over the weekend. What do you think? Ghost Facers. 
theme song uh so obviously right off the bat uh before we kind of i've got a couple more things just on the actual production of this but diana what did you think when the supernatural opener did not happen and it opened with ghostbusters i was like what the fuck i, I was i was also like oh, okay they're gonna do like this super fun thing and just like clip back and forth instead of like or like just be part of like the beginning part of the episode instead of it actually being almost the entire episode without giving away I mean, we're going to talk about it in a minute so i'm not really giving anything away. but like i was like oh it was basically it was almost like watching their pilot was the yeah. was the concept which is actually really fun and different and nice way to break it up and very entertaining i liked it yep and then also because they were going with this reality show um yeah, they went. The, they bought. They, you bought in all the way on it because they did. That. Well, yeah, and so they did not film it like they filmed a normal episode. This was all filmed using all like the the cameras that you would for a reality TV show. And a low low budget reality TV show. Low high budget. budget, but yeah. you know, a pretty much on par with you know the original Ghost Hunters, like uh -huh. exactly you know, like. And this is where I feel like I don't know if you have a slight disadvantage because I know you've watched some paranormal shows when I make you, but I mean, this is like such a play on, I, on those I mean, shows. I have like an awareness of them enough that I get that this was totally a play on those. Yeah. And I, I, I got it. And I, I mean, it wasn't like, oh, is that what they're like? I mean, I know enough to know that, but you know, I damn well do not watch that shit <laughs> at all. <No. gasps> Because I'm a uh, fucking wuss is the main reason. In case in case anybody had missed that part, it's mostly because I'm a scaredy cat. Yeah. Um, so okay, so like I said, I think uh, the way they filmed it made just the entire like the the production value when we watch it like really sent that home. Um, in April on on April 23rd, 2008, Buddy TV, I don't know who the fuck Buddy TV is, but they've got a website. And in April, they interviewed Jared Padalecki. And so one of the things they were talking about was this episode and they were like, hey, so this was filmed like a reality show. And he was talking about how weird it was because there's no like get in your light and hit your mark because we have these big, huge, gigantic, expensive cameras. Now we have these very tiny, expensive cameras, right. but it's just stuff you can buy from Best Buy. Little high definition, whatever brand it is that you strap on the side of your head for like a security camera or you're just holding it in the palm of your hand. We had like 11 of them set up in different rooms and then all the characters had headband cams and they were holding cameras. It was really cool. 
It's, sorry, I'm going to try and do my Jerry Pedal like you. It's kind of shot like Cloverfield, which I haven't seen yet, but I've heard a lot of good things about that. So sort of Blair Witch meets Cloverfield, kind of reality scary show. I'm also doing my Jared eyebrow and nose. Like you can't see because you're on, you were on audio, but <gasps> Diana can see my, my oh. Pedal Lucky nose acting. Right, but anyways, it was hard to get into because we just had a three month break. I think it was the longest Jensen I had gone without playing Sam and Dean since the pilot. Even the difference between the pilots when we shot Wendigo was like two and a half months. We went a long time, so it was weird to get back on the set anyways. <sighs> but it was really fun and a fun sort of way to ease back into the reality of film days. is <laughs> like... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you're a big log. You're a sweet big log when you yeah. answer these questions. Um, yeah, so we'll talk a little bit more about the production through this. And there's obviously going to be a lot of side notes because this is, I think, one of the first like really meta episodes of Supernatural where they're just poking fun at themselves and the genre in general. That's, you know, I, I'm sure there is one before this, but I can think of it. But all right, so we just let's jump into this. Let's dive. We're gonna start off with Harry and Ed. Yeah. Yeah. And so we enter, we start with the episode with them um sitting by a fireplace, explaining um then their dorky ass message to TV executives that this is the pilot of their TV show. Yeah, so this is their pitch reel for Ghost Facers. Then we break into the most epic theme song ever. Ghost, Ghost Facers. All right. Yes. So do you know the lyrics? I do did you not. learn them? Do you memorize them? I did them? not memorize them. I'm sorry for not memorizing them. Okay, so we'll do a lyric poetry version of that just so it doesn't get bored. All right, so ghost facers. We face the ghosts when others will There's not. Yeah. We're ghosts, ghost facers. Stay in the kitchen when the kitchen gets hot. Ghosts, ghost facers. We face the nightmare. We face the dead. Ghost Ghost facers, we face the faces, we face the dead. <laughs> oh, some deep lyrics, deep lyrics, deep lyrics. Deep lyrics that were all performed by Vin Edlin and the composer for the episode, like, and a bunch of other people from the, the production that we just basically like, went in and grabbed a bunch of cars, guitars, which is something that like me, Diane, and Dave would do like some yeah. random weekend, like, you know, yeah. I listen to a theme song, <laughs> you yeah. know? Yeah. Uh, so I, exactly. I highly enjoy that piece. All right. That was and, super fun. I, was, so, I started cracking up the second it came on. Yeah, did, did Babe get to hear the theme song? Uh, I did play it for him, yes. I said okay, yeah. So, yeah, so, uh, and they, in their intro, they introduce all of their characters um, for, from for, for Ghost Facers, which of course includes Ed and Harry, as well as Spruce, Maggie, Corbett, plus Sam and Dean, and throwing the middle fingers. <laughs> <sighs> um, and there's an amazing, it ends with like a amazing, like, posed by all their gear and it's ed henry or ed harry spruce and maggie um posing um and there's a really sweet slow-mo uh walking in front of the their their amazing blue car which is did, did they have this in the last episode I believe we saw it for a second in the last episode. Yeah, I think we commented on the gremlin before. Yes. I, I love a gremlin. I remember like, talking saying I loved a gremlin because yeah. I like yeah. gremlins. Um, but we still love this gremlin. And we it's still adorable. love the gremlin. Yes, it's adorable. Um, is that is that the car that's going to be at the convention? 
<gasps> I think it might be. I think no, wait. I don't is remember. That, there's a there's another carve is gonna be no, I feel like it's dirty. Oh, maybe that's what it is. Okay. I got excited because I was like, it was some other car and I couldn't remember what it was, but oh well. I was just hoping. Is Anyways, Gar's car. I don't know. There's another car. By the way, be for that record, for the record, we are going to be at the uh, the uh, Plano. What they're calling it Dallas, but the Plano. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, it's convention. Plano. It's not Dallas. It's not Dallas. It's Plano. <laughs> the, the supernatural convention in Plano. We'll be there. It's like two weeks away. Like that's crazy. Know, it's almost time. We'll have to double check. But yeah, we'll be there. Uh, find us. Get a sticker. Hang out. Cool. As long as you're not weird. There we go. Um, so I do like their like commentary back and forth where they're talking about how they have time to do this because basically they basically run the Kinkos. Because man, I miss Kinkos. I don't have a use for Kinkos, but man, I miss Kinkos. It was just funny to me. Good times at Kinkos. And also Kinkos just makes me happy. Like every mm. time I go into Kinkos, I want excuses to print more things. I'm like, well, oh, they've got really good you printers. Do it was like, you'll do a banner. And I'm like, yes. what do I need a banner of? Like, there's gotta be one. something that I can make like. I can make something up and just, and like, that's how we made all our zines. And, and then sometimes I had to use them for like, you know, corporate daddy and like go in and get things that were like bound in like spirals. I oh. love a good spiral bindy with like oh, that nice. first like gloss paper inside. Ooh. I got to like make some of those before. Like I had the machine to do it for a while. Oh and- yeah extremely satisfying it yeah. is satisfying but it's also annoying because you then would sometimes miss like one oh, thing awful. and oh, then fucked. like you would like you're fucked you just like ruined like 50 pages and you're like I'm oh fucked. my god that was like two dollars and then government's gonna put me in jail because that's generally where i was doing that was for the government yeah. <laughs> but um anyway so kinkos yeah all right um all right. so ghost facers jumps in and they have um the ghost facers pilot has phases and that's how it's kind of like broken down as their episode their their television episode within a television episode oh yeah and before that so ed is our team co-leader uh harry is our team co-leader and demolitions expert oh that we we must look that and also i think i wanted to point out they were two lone wolves who needed other wolves yes Oh. Which makes me think they have a wolf blanket somewhere. So mm. we're doing a phase one. I do, homework. or Dave does, I should say. Anyways, um, all right, homework. So we show this is all the scenes showing them um, kind of like walking around their little HQ, I guess, which is a garage. Um, but uh, Corbett gets introduced, and he is their intern slash cook, and basically he just answered a flyer and wondered where do ghosts come from and decide to join their team? Yep. And as they're walking through, we get to see their murder board. Hey, do you have a murder board? Ed's directing Corbett and how to make a proper one. And also this is where we start seeing the posters for Coven, which makes me so fucking excited. And it's a running joke through the episode. And Diana's looking at me with a blank face. I swear I've talked to him before. Coven. All right. So if you don't know COVID, so COVID is a film which was produced, was like one of like a notorious bad films. And so it's famous because there was a documentary made about the making of COVID called American Movie, uh, which won a bunch of awards. And then once it started winning awards, and I think COVID did too, uh, but it's really about a guy who is talking about a Kevin, but he doesn't know that the right way to say Kevin is Kevin. So he just calls it COVID. So Uh 
the movie is COVID. You've talked to me about that. And I've, I just saw it throughout and I just blew it off. I was like, oh, just like same, use the same poster a bunch. Okay. Yeah, no, there's there's a whole thing in there. Um, so anyway, so we got the Coven stuff. Um, we got, uh, so Alan um, got his flyer from the Outmo- Outlet Mall in Skoga. And we learned that Ed has an adopted sister and that's Maggie. And who is she mm-hmm. played by? Oh, sorry, she's Maggie Zetamore, well, research well, we team. Yeah, go yeah. ahead. So uh, she's on the research team. So um, we did introduce briefly, Alan J. Corbett is played by Dustin Milligan. Uh, He's been in a lot of things, but to me, the most important thing that he's been in was Ted on Schitt's Creek because I fucking love that show and it brought me joy. And, and he, he also brought joy on that show. He was amazing. Did you end up watching? I haven't watched all of it. I've watched oh! the first couple of seasons. Holding it in. Okay. So I love Schitt's Creek. <laughs> Anyways. Um, so that's that. Maggie, um, the... Uh, Maggie um, is played by Brittany Ishibashi, who is in uh, Marvel's Runaways as Tina and has had a lot of appearances in other um, other roles and sitcoms and things like that. Um, and she was in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Uh, yes. And that was her dream, apparently. She's done a lot. So, I mean, spoiler alert, you may see more of these characters in the future. Ooh. There may be a web series about these characters. Oh, um, awesome that exists so um but i loved her in runways like she's so good like i just i adore her so all right let's go back and then we meet um kenny spruce uh he um <laughs> he describes himself as as 15 16th stew in one sixteenth cherokee and talks a lot about his family history including that he had a peyote addicted great-grandfather well, and it's funny if you read the, you know, think it through. All right. So his, so remember, he's basically, he's a licensed shamanologist, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, so the 15th, 16th Jew, 116th Cherokee, his grandfather. So he's mostly Jew. His grandfather was a moil. So those of you who don't know what a moil is, they are the ones who snip the tip during a circumcision uh, yeah. during Jewish religious rites. Um, his great grandfather was a talus maker, and then his great great grandfather was a degenerate gambler, gambler, and had a peyote addiction. And then if you go into the confessionals, which we'll talk about later, uh, that kind of explains how he was born. <laughs> Yeehaw. Yeehaw. Well, anyway, I was amused. He's played by um, Austin um, uh, Basis, who has been in just a lot of shows, had a lot of um, ep- a lot of single episode roles in a lot of programs. But he did have an ongoing role in B- C&W's Beauty and the Beast um, as well. So I never watched that. I did Is not either. It was a long running series. And it wasn't terribly long ago. Uh, there was one I know there was like a really crappy Beauty and the Beast. Oh, there was the one in the nineties. It was the live action nineties. I think it was like late early nineties. It was like a live action one. And then I know they did another That's, one. The CW yeah. did another one in the two thousand. I 2000s, feel like I, I need to be it. real high to watch either of those. But yeah, I I yeah I can't. I can't <laughs> it's like yeah, I'm just never going to watch these. But mm-hmm. um, anyway, so we get this great introduction of all these characters. Um, you know, we also learn that so Maggie is as adopted sister. When Ed and Harry met each other at computer camp, it was love at first geek. Oh, that's according to Maggie. Uh, so, uh, all right. So we think we're going to go from there to our murder board. 
Yes. So they're going to go after the other. They want to go to the leap, uh, go find the leap year ghost at the Morton house. Basically, nobody's ever stayed the night and made it past midnight on February 29th. Um, and so that's what they're, their plan is to do. Um, and this, we also get a little confessional where we find out that uh, Harry is convinced that Corbett has the hots for Ed. He definitely does. Is the yeah, answer he does, there. and we um, know he does because he made him a vanilla, a French, French vanilla, vanilla instant, coffee, instant cappuccino. And I was watching this. I'm like, I actually really used to like that, and I was trying to remember why. And I was like, Do I want to go to the store and buy this to see if I still like have a palate for it? I think I liked it because my grandmother used to make instant coffee, oh. and I think like that. Like, but also we used to not have Keurigs, guys. Like there was a time where like you had to make like a pot of coffee or yeah. instant coffee. So that was like when I was in grad school, like those were things that kept me awake was just like hot water and that powdery instant cappuccino shit. Yeah. Diana's like, you. I'm sorry. Yeah. I, but it tasted good, but I don't know. Just, I just, did I not know? Hmm. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe it's still nostalgic, nostalgic flavor. Sometimes flavors can be nostalgic like that. Yeah, still. Anyways. Uh, so our mortar board, murder, a mortar, our <laughs> mortar, 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 our murder board is about to fall. And yes, it is. Because dad opened the garage and it was up against the garage door. So now we learn the Ghostbusters HQ is really Ed's parents' garage. Yep. Which surprises nobody. But nope. I I do love it. It was really had- well set up for a garage. But yeah, and, and they also cut like the cuts before this, like, you know, obviously this is, you know, the tongue and cheek shit. Like they they probably would have cut that out for the regular show. But oh, right. like but the way that it was cut, it looked like they were going into like a normal office or a, like a storage shed or something. Like mm-hmm. they, and then you're like, oh yeah, you're in your parents' garage. Yeah, that's a huge garage too. Good on you, Ed's parents. Like that's a that's a good space. So phase two, infiltration. So they're breaking into the gate around this haunted house, um, and uh, as they're like about to like cut the lock to go through the chain link fence maggie asks if they have a permit which i think is adorbs but also it's like they're like wait what oh we should how about that maybe we should do that next time which is a really i found a very amusing little exchange um but, but it does make you think too about like regular like haunted like paranormal shows like because there are places like now like it's become like the spot a, to go to it's or whatever, a spot, yeah. like it's a way to make money but like, but when, like, especially like when this was being filmed, like going up to a house being like, we would like to get a permit to investigate ghosts here. Like, right. I mean, or you just have to get permission from the owner. Do you have to get a fucking COI? I mean, like, do you have to get like a liability waivers? I don't know. Like, what's the insurance? Like, I want to know. I mean, do you have to carry a liability policy or you have what? to, right? Like, is the house so. like, yeah. I would think so. Or does, have your, a does your liability like cover demon possession? Oh man, if you can find an insurance policy that is that. Anyways, um, and then we start hearing uh, Grand Funks. We're an American band, and there's a car rolling by. A very recognizable engine. I will say I thought it sounded louder and slightly different than normal here, personally. 
We'll take Diana. She's our car expert. So Diana said, that's a big stretch. She was like, this was a cash link. They pulled that sound off of YouTube. Like that was not baby's engine. Well, I mean, uh, so it just sounded a little bit more, uh, I don't know. It just, it just had a different exhaust sound to me. I thought it was like, I was like, what? Like, I wasn't like, oh, it's baby. I was like, huh, there's a big loud, is that a, it sounded very motorcycle to me, the way the Fair. muffler sounded yeah. to me. And so yeah, I was like, it, I was like, oh, and I was like, oh, it's not like a pickup truck with a big muffler or be, a motorcycle. It couldn't be Harley because Harley has it sound copyrighted. Of course, so but, like, but, that's, but it was a really, but I, know, I knew it wasn't a motorcycle because yeah. it was a bigger engine no, sound right. but it just sounded different. I was like, huh. But anyways, I, I, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I was overthinking it. It was just the way it was queued up but that was me so either way we've got our legendary winchester brothers rolling up to the scene um and uh yeah they as they kind of roll on by the ghost facers take their opportunity to enter the house and they set up their command center right and then harry's has the unfortunate thing of calling command center eagle's nest which okay one is so those of you who don't know that was the place of hitler's like one of his you know it was hitler's fortress but a lot of people use that they don't like a lot of people yeah. call that like, but also like there's an eagle's nest like in between my house and uh san antonio on the back roads and every time i drive past it i'm like did you not want to change this like why did you ever like you should change the name of this. This is not, uh, a, it's not a good thing. Um, so, and that it makes it even worse because as they're like setting up all their equipment, Kenny calls Ed mine Fuhrer. And I'm like, what the, he does. I, it was like, okay. And and so, was like, all right. I don't know. Like, but this is thankfully it's the only time we've got some Mossy references in this. Okay. I'm going to bet they're unintentional. Okay. Um, all right. So now we're going to go to Morton House, 1040 p.m. base camp. Yes. And so they're going to do a, a battery check. Um, yeah. So uh, they're they're just, you know, they wanted to, they did their little, little some, I forget who said it even, but there was spin the tires, light the fires. Yeah, it's spin the tires. So they're basically doing a walkthrough and this is their, yes. their split up, right? And so they're going to do their, what like sports ball people do when they put their hands in the huddle. Middle. It's a huddle, right? Yeah, I got it's that a huddle. Too. All mm-hmm. right. And so, yeah. So uh, Harry says, spin the tires, light the fires, ghost facers on one, two, three. And they all go, ghost, ghost facers. facers. And then they bring their hand down in front like the rock and roll hand is what I usually call it. Like there's like the, like the, almost yeah, like a jazz said, fingers like down. Um, I, we used to call it, uh, you reach for, what was it? Like you reach for you, the sky and then bring down the rock. I don't know. We, yeah. I had lots of things for or this. You, you push out the rock and then you bring it back in as usually what I would do. But yeah, I think we found our highlight reel for this episode. And this I, is right? how we will. There's, there's yeah. a lot of, there's a lot of awkward dance moves. Y'all are welcome. Yeah. We'll, we'll see yeah. about securing those for you. Um, yeah, the other thing we missed during this time is that Corvette uh, was basically told he looks like a RoboCop. I'm only saying that because it comes back and he is just camoed up with like just equipment oh, yeah. everywhere. And, oh, yeah. All right, so we're going to go to phase so, three. What's phase, phase three? FaceTime. FaceTime. All right, so Morton House, 10.51 p.m., first floor, team one, Ed and Corvette. I have an interjection here. 
I mean, these guys are supposed to know what they're doing and we've all watched these shows a million times and they still think it's a good idea to split up and they do it throughout this episode and it made me want to throw things. That's what I've got. Go ahead. But they did not split up into being alone. So I'm okay with it. Oh, they do. They do. Eventually they do. But right now this is, I I think this is sanctioned paranormal shit unless like, so there's on the new season or I guess it's not new on the season, but on, uh, fear facers fear destination destination fear Fear. (laughs) they all have that i I swear to god we could probably like have accidentally named seven tv shows just by guessing accidentally naming seven all of those shows exist and some paranormal is either on youtube (sighs) or on the learning channel or the history channel or is but you can find them all discovery plus whatever um (laughs) (laughs) sponsor us discovery plus go ahead now there we go please please sponsor us discovery plus i watch you all the time vanity fair confidential is the greatest show that was ever made anyways okay let's just go back okay so we're there and they're doing like this is i think the most spoofing of the paranormal tv shows because they're like asking like the questions of like oh like what's your name can yeah. you can you play with my balls? You know, yeah. Okay, they yeah. don't ask that, but I mean, uh, yeah. might as well. I mean, so my friend that I went on the ghost uh, investigation with over the break, uh-huh. uh, like one of the things he always says is like, "Why are all these investigators so polite to these ghosts?" They're always like, "Oh, what's your name? Can you respond? Thank you." And it's just like you know, bit like it's like if I was a ghost who I want to be talked to like that, I would just want to be like, "Hey, like what's up?" You know, and hey. Larry the yeah. ghost. What you doing? What do you do? Don't kiss my ass. Just come a ghost. I mean, I don't like small talk as a living human being. (laughs) I don't think I would like it as a ghost. (gasps) Oh my gosh. (sighs) All right. So we've got, uh, Ed has an EMF. Yeah. And, uh, and this is Ed, uh, Ed and Corbett walking together and they've got, you know, um, they hear a noise and, uh, and Corbett's kind of freaking out. And then it says, calm the whirlwinds of your mind. And then they turn on night vision. Yeah, it's kind of a douche. Um. <laughs> yes, yes, he is. So team two is on the second floor. That's Harry, Spruce, and Maggie. Uh, they've got the same equipment. And uh, But while they're walking around up there, the camera kind of starts going on the on the fritz. It's unlike, that's what I kept the terminology I kept using because it was going staticky. I use fritzing a lot until later and then we get our new term for it which I then leverage but right now I'm calling it fritzing okay and they open this door and Harry freaks the fuck out and starts like running and screaming okay one Harry kicks in the door but he doesn't like he just like like taps it with his foot yeah and okay we're gonna try and do this on zoom so Diana can see me kicking in the door and I'm like so he tries to kick at the door and then someone's like just turn the knob and so yeah. he's like so he turns the knob and then kicks the door again and so this is i told you guys we had a lot of extra production notes so yeah. the reason he's running and screaming as he's is because he saw a rat right yeah so this it's wasn't a planned dead rat a dead, dead rat. rat uh so um so Scritchia said, um, basically like all the actors on this, they knew they were like improv actors. So a lot of stuff that we see in the episode and in the bonus content, which is b- about to talk about, um, a lot of that's improv. So it's just like, kind of like things they threw at them. Um, so, uh, 
So basically, uh, Scritchia said the rat thing was his idea, and he just put the rat on the floor and didn't tell Travis that it was going to be there. And so that reaction is his real reaction to like walking in and seeing the rat. And then so when they did the confessionals, which you see right after this, was he just like riffing off of that. So like he like saw the rat. And so when yeah. he did the confessional, he, he was as hairy. He was like, I don't like rats. Yeah. And which I think is just fucking brilliant. And that's what makes like this just whole owned thing. It. Didn't like, whatever, but like, yeah. Oh, I don't like yeah. That. And they just, I also just love people who take content and run with it. So yeah. on the DVD for this, which is okay. I'm very glad that, okay. A Blu-ray or whatever the fuck I bought the thing that I have a thing is an optical disc and it spins around. And so on there, it has a, uh, it has six like 16 minutes of these confessionals so all the different scenes with like maggie and spruce and corbett and all of them um and it's just like random questions that ben edlund were throwing at them like what do you think of sam and dean and so they're all pretty funny. funny corbett shit's hilarious because he's always like he's you know talks a lot obviously about ed talks yeah. a little about harry and then like gets to maggie and he's like yeah, she's fine. Uh, so uh, just really good, great content. Um, there is, a, I found it on YouTube and it probably shouldn't be there because, you know, Warner Brothers owns this content, but yeah. we'll put a link in the show notes and then just don't tell your friends, right? Just don't tell YouTube that that's up there. And, you know, we'll, we'll see how long it lasts. If otherwise um, I can send you a link for a tour browser and you can go find it on your own. Um, this also led to I think Diane Diana got a text message from me last night uh -huh. uh, did you keep the you do you want to read the text message out loud if you can pull it up and so you, you can do it in my voice if you want oh I don't and I and I know that. I sent Diane a lot of text messages she's like shit I had to scroll through like a thousand messages ago yeah there's a lot of top hat conversations I'm just gonna say the top hat saga is real the real thing <laughs> Oh, <clears throat> Harry kicks in door after Spruce suggests turning the knob, screams and run away, and we see a rat, which apparently was a joke played on him. They kept in. Then he improved about it. So we had a trolley question. Now we have Liz's rest. Now we have Liz's rat question. Spruce throws the rat at Harry again, which he doesn't think is funny, but I think it's hilarious and totally something I would do, except for the germs. Gross, but maybe worth it. I would more likely throw a living rat, but that seems kind of mean to the rat. Hmm, taxidermy rat I would throw for sure. And scene. <laughs> yeah. I just, oh, that is the text I received from uh, Liz last night, just saying. Yeah. And I think it's legit. I mean, so, I mean, Diana. Hmm, taxidermy rat for sure. <laughs> well, I was just like, what level of, you know, because I am not opposed to throwing things at people for you know, because it's funny. And so I was like, no, because I was thinking like New York subway rat, right? Like if I saw like pizza rat, would yeah. I touch pizza rat? No, no, no I'm not going to touch pizza rat. He's gross. But a stuffed pizza rat. Maybe. Yeah. That all, that seems funny. Gets the point across. No, no. Diana, which rat would you throw? I don't, I don't know if I want to throw a rat fine you can't be in my rat throwing club <laughs> i mean i don't know 
I feel like well, you throw a taxidermy rat. rat. Yeah, but I feel bad throwing a taxidermy rat too. I feel worse throwing a taxidermy rat than the dead rat. I don't know. No, but the taxidermy rat, I feel like has been cleaned of bacteria. That's hopefully. for sure. <laughs> I know. At least because I'm just like the reason I don't want to touch the dead rat is not out of respect for the dead rat. It's just because plague. Oh. Well, yeah, it's fair. Yep. Okay. So we so come back downstairs. And to Corbett having a not good time. No, Corbett's very upset, him and Ed, with Corbett's night vision. But then there's flashlights in the hallway and you hear freeze, police officers, don't move. Guess who it is? Is it the boys? It's the boys. So uh, Ed and Corbett are like totally freaking out now and like makes like whimpering noises. Sam's demanding ID. <laughs> and then Ed starts to kind of recognize them. And then Sam starts to kind of recognize them. And um, yeah. yeah. And, and, and then person. we get the first bleeping skull. We do. And, which I thought was just a great thing for this episode. Uh, it needed it, yeah. It needed it every time somebody swears, they get a, a skull over their mouth, which is also the O in the Ghostbusters logo. Yep. And so. they bleep and it bleeps. Yep. Then yep. we get to we get those. And then uh Ed calls Dean Chisel Chest. And <laughs> uh basically he's like, Hey, we're already set up. We beat you guys here. Too bad, so sad. And uh yeah. So and then Dean kind of like shoves that around a little bit and that's where his partner is yeah and so i think we also they do a really good job too of giving if you had not seen that first episode from season one they give you that exposition of like what happened that's a short word but uh the summary the plot summary of that in like very simple terms they're like oh right. yeah Super west right. texas tulpa almost got them killed we're like oh yes. right now i know where they're from so from yep. a writer's standpoint i thought that was yeah, so if you aren't if you are not like a hardcore regular watcher, you'd be able to like pick up like oh these guys have crossed paths before in a different event. Yeah, and yeah. they they're fine, but they don't have great feelings about each other. So, yeah. um, on the second floor, we see the EMF is spiking, <gasps> and there's no. and there's a like a temperature drop, and then <gasps> the camera's back on the fritz, and then you see a like a man in like a suit, like nineteen, like a retro style suit, like. I'd say 40s or 50s style. Yeah, he's a 40 suit and he is pumped full of lead. Yes. And uh, yeah, Spruce is yelling for Harry and Maggie. They run and they see it. And the ghost says, look, buddy, I'm sorry. That's it. And then he's like, I'm telling you, that's all the money I have. And then he gets shot a bunch and disappears. Yeah. And then the like, they do a great cut to commercial where they just like have this freeze on Harry and Maggie and then like go scissors like yes. comes across. And I just thought that was fucking clever. Chef's very kiss. well, very clever. So we get back to downstairs and the bros are uh, the bros. <laughs> That's how I'm going to save my short, shorthand brothers. Uh, Sam and Dean are asking Ed, what do you think you're doing at the Morton house on a leap year? Ed's like, uh, obviously we spend the night for a fucking TV show. Um, and no one, no one ever spent the night. And Dean's like, uh, no, cause they don't live to talk about it. And they're, yeah. everybody's like, what? No, just no one ever has. And Sam's like, Sam has the fucking receipts and he is yeah. ready <laughs> to tell <laughs> them. Yeah, it, when we get to Sam's receipts, I was like, so that I think plays into was like my notes on Dean yelling at them. It's like it's Daddy Dean. So we have Daddy Dean and Sam with the receipts. So oh my go god, on. Daddy Dean and Sam with the receipts. 
Yeah. So um, he's like, yeah, not because no one's ever done it because they all fucking die. There's all these missing missing persons reports of all the people that have tried for decades. No one ever finds the bodies. It starts at midnight. Everybody fucking dies. That's what happens. So at this point, Harry, Spruce, and Maggie run down the stairs. Right? We saw a full apparition, class four. Is that from Ghostbusters? Like actually Ghostbusters, not Ghost Facers. Anyways, it just sounds like uh, I'm thinking about it. I just watched the new Ghostbusters. I haven't seen it yet. I need to watch it. Yeah, because I did not go see it in the theater. And now you can get it on streaming and I could watch mm-hmm. it in my house. And then I cried because it was really good. Um, so yeah, so they're running down and then Harry sees Sam and Dean and we get a, hey, aren't those the bleeping skulls from Texas? Oh, yeah. So, um, which yeah. is really funny on multiple levels. Yes. And so the brothers are basically trying to get the whole team out of the house. So I like, fuck this. Y'all got to go. And then they're like, no, no, check out this amazing footage we have of this ghost. And they're Sam Dean kind of watch what they're talking. They're like, uh, basically, they're like, mm, that's a death echo. That's real weird. That's a death echo here because no one died here. Yeah. And also the death echo is something they just made up for this episode, but it oh, sounds really? so legit. Like you're just like, yeah, like I completely believe this is a thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, Ben Edlin said, um, that ghost as at echo is so ubiquitous it doesn't even require a lore base because that's like shop talk for them to call it an echo but yeah Weird. there's nowhere else that anybody but i feel like that's in like common vernacular now like i'm pretty sure i've been on ghost yeah. investigations like oh it's an echo like or a ghost loop right like it's yeah. the idea of it's the death the death loop yeah. that gets played over and over again. i feel like i've heard that concept before too that's really weird that's very bizarre that's either like insane like suggestion and like really really fucking quality writing or it got adopted which is real annoying because people are stupid or it's got some other basis in legitimacy there are a lot of like there are a lot of lore that shows up in the show that they created here and like so you go and you're like you're digging through things it's like oh no that did not exist except on supernatural yeah. but you thought it existed because it just was like so played off your common sense right and i think this is one of those things where it's just like oh clearly go echo. yeah i know what that is but nobody like you didn't have to have it explained to you like it just like oh clearly yeah. that's what this yeah. is yeah all right so they're discussing it and they're like yeah this doesn't really make sense but also death echoes aren't a threat um it's just replaying that that person's death so no no no. The, you, not replaying Dirk's death dean says again where they were gate and i feel like i need to have a noise every time dean uh, says gate yeah you hate that uh, it's like nadia talking about jeff <laughs> gate i was gate <laughs> oh so the our winchester brothers really are still like yeah so maybe you're, the death that goes not the scary thing but y'all still don't want to fucking stay here people still dying and we still don't know why so what do we realize now oh we have our first instance of a member of the team going off by them fucking selves and who is it fucking corbett, corbett. poor corbett so he's alone upstairs but do you think he went upstairs around. by himself because he was trying to impress ed obviously obviously so he's trying to call out the spirits and wander around upstairs by himself his camera goes on the fritz and his flashlight goes out so he's turning his night vision and uh there's someone over his shoulder and i'm going to tell you right when the scene because the camera he's doing like selfie camera on accident while he's turning his night vision on 
it seriously looks like a cartoon lurch over his shoulder though. <laughs> That's I was like, huh. Okay. Huh. I, so you told me that you watched part of his episode with you, your eyes covered. So I want to know when we get to that point. Okay. So oh, it was not my eyes. Cause I didn't know it was going to look like that. I preemptively cover my eyes when I can tell something scary is about to happen. I cover my face and I peek through my fingers and then I wait and see how scary it is. Yeah, and unfortunately, Daggett's not that scary, but he's adorable, and I want to hang out with him. Um, okay, that, so, that doesn't sound creepy. Do you want to go to his birthday party? <laughs> I mean, he had cake. Ew. Ew. You don't know where the cake came from. Like, ghost cake can taste fine. We can get to this that fight later. Okay, we're going to table the later. ghost cake fight Good later. <laughs> oh so corbett yells um and they all start running upstairs except for sam dean it kind of hesitate at first but all we see are shots of corbett being dragged um and uh the rest of the team can't find him and he's yelling yeah, my he's note yelling. just says sam bleeping skulls <laughs> oh my god so um he's he gone and Aww. now it's midnight so <gasps> Which Sam's like, with- you know what? Fuck this shit. Let's get all y'all out of here. And then we'll come back and look for him later. And they're like, ghost patients are like, fuck that. No, we're going to look. And then the house locks them inside. So it doesn't matter. They can't leave. Yeah. So I pretty much feel like this is the cat hurting. Like I've been in this cat hurting situation. What? Like this like, is like trying like guys, to get we like really a- need to go. The bar we is closing go or we're going to go to jail. You're all really drunk. We have to get out of here. No, we have to go now. This is Sam's struggle. Like, and I feel you, Sam, like I, I am here for this. Been there. Yeah, 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 been there, done this. I also get paid. I think we've this. done this to each other in different groups too. Probably. We've been the herder. We probably have different situations. Like Liz, right. he can't, that guy does nope. not look like Spike. No, no, <laughs> just get away from him. Okay, so we're gonna go to the Morton House, and now, like, very specifically, it's twelve oh four. It is twelve oh four. Sam and Dean are arguing. Sam's annoyed. Um, Dean really wants to. It's like, hey, we're already here. Let's just do this hunt and compared this the morton house to their grand canyon yeah so i think this is as the time this episode is any hmm. for some lore because <laughs> we had some lore mentioned but let's talk about some ghosties do you want to hear about some ghosties you know i don't <laughs> Do you want to hear about some Dallas ghosties? Uh, Do you want to hear about some Oak Cliff ghosties? God damn it. I knew you're going to tell me anyways. I kind of do, but it's going to scare me. But tell me. I also, when I sent her the text last night, I could see like part of like the top of my lore was in there and she's not stupid. And I was like, shit, she just saw what lore was going to be. But hmm. All right. So what we're going to talk about tonight is the haunting of the Millimore house. Ooh, hmm. uh. all right so hmm. do you first off right off the bat do you does that name mean anything to you right. oh fuck yeah all right diana's gonna get some dallas history which she loves seriously she does she, she i do yeah. um okay so we're we are going to dallas texas 
I don't want to say Texas. Uh, we have like international liver, livers, <laughs> listeners. They're like, where's Dallas? Like everybody knows. Like, I mean, there's technically a Dallas is in other states, but they just they don't, don't, they don't matter. They don't matter. Like what the fuck? Like, you know, whatever. All right. So we're gonna get this out of the way first. So the house was first owner was William Brown Miller and he was a very rich cotton man and he was a slave owner. And so those slaves are actually the people who built Miller Moore. And this is something that should have happened a long time ago, uh, but there's been a, a lot of movement recently to change the story surrounding the building from just being this, you know, nostalgic, like, oh, look at my sweet plantation house from the South, to really talking about the history of the people who live there. Uh, so in 2019, the Dallas Heritage Village, where the house now stands, uh, their researchers were like, hey, we're gonna go back to the historical documents and identified the 16 people who were enslaved to the original owner Miller. So their stories can be told as well. A study that took to 2019. Uh, but in the meantime, there are other like really great people in Dallas who have been researching this all along. So I, yeah, I want to like say like, it sounds weird to say 2019 is like when this started. There's obviously been people who, who love Dallas and its history and have been working to get all the stories told uh one resident to, to is, be fair dallas has a really bad bad track record of preserving its own history at all so this is to be fair yeah to i be mean fair, dallas is right? it has a very the south in general we are we are young cities compared to a lot of our east coast friends and historically we are really bad like dallas especially fort worth's not as bad about it but dallas is really bad about just like fuck it, tear it down and put something else brand new there. Like that's, it. and then don't even talk about it. Like they have, a, it's a really like bad track record for things. Like yeah, that. I mean, I think that's interesting. Cause like one of like the things that I learned that I sent you an article, uh, well not an article, I sent you somebody's thesis about yeah, it. Thesis. I'm an mm -hmm. I sent you an, I'm sorry. I sent you an academic thesis cause mm -hmm. that's what I read at night for fun. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a nerd, sorry. Yeah. Um, but there was a really great thesis about the 1860 fire of Dallas, which I didn't even know about. So like most of Dallas burned down in 1860 and I had like no idea that happened, but there's some yeah. really good stories about this. Anyways, um, so one resident though, who's been doing, um, like been trying to get the stories the Millimore told uh, was Donald Payton, who is president of the African-American Genealogy Interest Group, uh, which is a branch of the Dallas Genealogical Society. And he's been sharing the story of his ancestors who came to Dallas as slaves in 1847 and did work at the Millenware Plantation. Uh, his family, uh, his ancestor, when he was freed, uh, bought the land that was part of the plantation, which is near present-day Paul Quinn College, and started his own farm with his wife, Lucy. And now there is a park there named after the family, the Miller, uh, the Miller Park. And so just there are a number of tours in Dallas, which I'm sure you know about, but that explore the African-American experience and history in Dallas, like the hidden history of DFW, remembering Black Dallas, and really you don't need me talking to you about the Black experience in Dallas, like go, go on this tour, go listen to those people who probably have a much better perspective about it. But um, anyways, I just wanted to get that out there because that's a part of the story of here. And we start getting into the spooky things. I also 
I was reading about like the inhabitants of the house. Like I was very surprised that it was really only talking about, um, you know, the, the main family who lived there. And when, when there were 16 other people that were on the property as well and in and out of the house. So I just, I think when we're doing these kind of historical investigations into like what, this is, I like paranormal investigations because we get to dive into history of things, right? right so exactly. I love learning who lived in a house. What, what, who worked there? What did they do? And I saw a, almost all the research about this for the paranormal side was all about those directly related to Miller and not the 16 other people who live there and in the log cabin. So, which we'll get to in a second, but I don't know, just, just a thing that came into my head. So now we're going to talk about, you know, dig into this and why Diana is about to really, really hate me for the story I'm going to tell her. Mm. Um, okay, so the Millimore Mansion is a two-story tall mansion in the Greek Revival structure. And think exactly what you would think about when you hear the term plantation, you know, except for the crimes against humanity. After you think about those, then think about like the picture of Plantation House. And, and that's exactly what this house looks like. Uh, the first owner, like I said, was William. Brown Miller, and he owned 7,500 acres of land in what we all know now know and love as Oak Cliff. Yay, cars mm-hmm. around Oak Cliff. All right, so construction of the Millimore House started in 1855, and it finished in 1862. Uh, the Miller family moved into the mansion, and their uh, enslaved moved into the log cabin the family had been living in during the construction. And after um, emancipation, the cabin was then home to several workers. And also through their vill- uh, through research, the Dallas Historical Village also determined a descendant of the enslaved lived into the cabin until late as 1940, um, which I think is really interesting. So because we're about to hmm. later on talk to like how those structures get moved, uh, right. but really like so there was somebody living on both sides of this property until 1940, right? So if you believe in ghosts, those are all a number of people who could be inhabiting this. Uh, So back to the house, Uh, the mansion, uh, like I said, is that huge, like just plantation style. And it had giant hallways so that air could flow to the inner rooms because they didn't have air conditioning. So a whole bunch of fucking nope on that one. because you went Texas has always been hot. Yeah. Like when I was that, reading that's not about a change, that is yeah. normal. When I was reading about the fire of Dallas in 1860, which is obviously is not do this, but they're like people were at their siesta because it was 105. So they went to home to go take naps because yeah. it was too hot to like do anything else. But also, why did we stop that? Why did we? Because no, we were I, I but lives. still. I mean, I granted, I give myself that nap whenever I can, but so I you feel like naps. I know, but just whatever. We should all have that siesta. You just want normalize siestas again. Normalize siestas. Yes. All right. So that that is a battle I will get behind. So some of the people we know who lived inside the house besides William, um, he did have three wives, um, and some of these were divorced, but we do know his second and third wives both died there. 
the second his name is Minerva. I love that as a name. Um, mm-hmm. She died from illness. I'm not sure what illness that was. And his third wife, Emma, is thought to have died in childbirth. And also that the child died as well. That'll get into our spookiness. Um, but fun fact, this was Emma's second husband. Her first husband was Madison Moultrie Miller. So another Miller that was not related to the second Miller. Mm. Uh, but she was just like, I don't know. She was like, I don't want to change my last name. Like this is yeah. going to be like this a problem. Yeah. yeah. The first one was a former Alabama plantation overseer. So, um, yeah. So that mm. was, that, that was him. He moved to Texas to become a ranger and ended up founding the city of Lancaster. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, but this is weird. It's just down the road too. It is. Yeah. So some interesting things about that. Uh, but so after everybody died or moved out, the house was just left to disintegrate, right? And I was trying to, obviously, I have a week to research this stuff. I didn't deep dive into it, but I couldn't find any, any other owners besides the Millers that were listed in like available, like I was not huh. going to like, I'm going to go to uh property, whatever, wherever you go to research deeds. Like, I'm not going to do that. What? But, what? You would think if other people lived there, that would have been on historical societies stuff or in newspapers, and I didn't see it. Uh, so basically, the house was just left to disintegrate. And the Dallas Heritage Society decided to preserve it and the Miller Log House. And those got moved to Old City Park in 1968, which is now known as the Dallas Heritage Village. Mm-hmm. And that was reopened to the public in 1969. So the Dallas Heritage Village has the Millamore Mansion. It has the log cabin we'll talk about. And then it has about 20 other structures from its time. So you can go and you can take tours and go into all these different things. Um, So they restored the inside to be exactly as it was in 1861. And so much so that everyone thinks the original occupants are still there. Well, so that means they stayed with the structure, not with the land. Right. So that's a totally interesting thing. Like, so are these the ghosts from the land that were already where they got moved to, or did they come with the house? Oh, so many questions. Mm. Blows a paranormal person's mind. All right. So everybody, like visitors, volunteers, and staff, they have all seen shit in this house. Um, the most well-known one is apparitions of a woman near the master bedroom. And people say that when you're near that bedroom and the nursery, you can just feel like you're being watched. They also have a lot of temperature flexes and there are cold spots even in the summer because they never put AC in. So we are never, ever going to this in the summer ever ever like no, I'm like yeah so no, I'm like hey what do you want to do for your birthday like not go there you know so, so uh, fyi they are doing um ghost tours every thursday at uh, at Dallas Heritage Village. Right that now. is awesome. And I know you won't go if I'm not there. Uh, so, right, so they have done lots of paranormal investigations at this house, including Ghost Hunters, which is the one that was mainly being made fun of during this show. So I thought that was great. Um, I couldn't find it online because I had other shit to do. Uh, so, but here are the most <gasps> two awful stories Ooh. about this place. All right, you ready? Are you, are, yeah. you is your I'm wine prepared. filled because you need it oh god it's all right partially the, filled. And it's, so the first one i'm just we're gonna call the crib oh no yeah yeah all right so well, give me heebie-jeebies already okay no. according to a longtime tour guide 
She had just finished the tour and was about to go home when she heard shrieks coming from the upstairs. I feel like she is a wise woman because she did not go upstairs alone. Instead, she grabbed an, a large male tour guide and was like, bitch, you're coming with me. Yeah. And they went upstairs together. The closer they got to the top of the stairs, the louder the crying got. They got to the nursery and he was like, you open the door. Open the door. So she opened the door and the crying stopped. And they went and they peeked in the crib and it was empty because that wasn't it. So they go back downstairs and as they're going downstairs, though, the crying starts again. Mm-mm. And then they started hearing dragging sounds. Oh, no. Like, like the sound someone would make when they were dragging furniture across the floor. They ran back upstairs. They ran into the nursery and the crib was gone. But there were tracks on the floor like something had been dragged. And they followed those tracks to the master bedroom. And there was the crib next to the bed. Fuck that. Then the guy that she brought up with her was going to move the crib. And she like, apparently this is a very wise woman said, fuck you. Do not move this crib. This crib lives here now. Yeah. And the the rest of the tour guides have said, yes, this crib lives here now. And that is where the crib stays in the master bedroom. They went back downstairs and the cry did not hear the crying again. So that's the first reason. No. All right. The second reason you hate me, we're going to call this one the security guard. Okay. So the second story, there's a security guard and he's hanging around outside like they do. And then he hears the sound. Securing things. He's securing things. He's doing a securing guarding things, whatever that is. And he heard something that sounded like it was getting thrown against the window. He's like, oh, that's the master bedroom. So he's like, I'm going to go and see what it is. And he goes to investigate. And there in the grass is a large black crow. And it's alive, but it's conked out. Then a second crow flies into the window. Then another and another and another. One would say a murder of crows. Uh, I was Uh, waiting for it. So then they just started flying around the guard and attacking him. And they were after a sweet, sweet eye juice. Okay, I don't know if they were. I just had to say that because it's my favorite Simpsons line. So, uh, and I feel like always want to get the sweet, like, sweet eye juice. Yeah. You, uh, the best episode ever. No, I know. Uh, so, yeah. So then they all, like, the crows all land around him and they start flapping around him and they're calling. And then he looks up into the window of the master bedroom and there is a pale white face. No. No, ma'am. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this guy has also receding, uh, receding, reported seeing lights move back and forth between the master bedroom and the nursery. Uh, he described them as a pale glowing green. But if he ever went upstairs to investigate, then they would just disappear. Which is, I would be like so fucking annoyed. I'd be like, motherfuckers, like, no, I'm not going upstairs. You, I went upstairs for you, bitches. <laughs> Stairs. Um yeah so that is 
that's the story of the Millimore Mansion. I try to keep it short because I know we had a lot of stuff to talk about tonight. But uh, so we can go there if you want. Uh, we can go during the day. They do, we can't go there at night unless I'm there on a Thursday and I'm not going to be there on a Thursday. This time. Yeah, they only do the spooky tears on Thursday. I'm not doing that unless you're there with me. So yeah the daytime tour would probably be very interesting go check it out during the day i've never actually been to dallas heritage village i know where it is it's just another side of the highway from the farmer's market pretty much oh we Um, should go with um and i'll have my oculus running and my emf and and we'll see like what what pops up and what these ghosts decide to call me (laughs) so i've been called a bitch Mm -hmm. um somebody's been called a threat i don't know it was me somebody else so we can Mm -hmm. see what See what these ghosts call you. And, and a geek. So. Mm. Well. Okay, All so right. back to our other adventure now that Diana hates me. Yeah. So Sam's mad that Dean basically has two months left of uh, on Earth before he dies and goes to hell, but that they're going to die tonight dealing with this stupid fucking house with these ghost facers. There we go. So... Um, now they're all stuck in the house. Uh, Dean's like, Dean calls it like a supernatural lockdown by whatever took Corbett, it, that, which was not a death echo. It was a bad mother who wants us scared. Is that a good summary? Slash? Yeah, there you go. Yeah. yeah, there you go. So um, we see that while they're in this room, the camera starts going on, all the cameras and all the electronic equipment starts going on the fritz again and the MEF reader is going off and brothers are like, hey, y'all need to all stay fucking close. And a man appears in front of them, but he doesn't seem to see them as back to them. But it's a different, it's wait, not the same wait, wait, guy. Wait, wait. You missed something. You missed yeah. the flash to where Harry and Maggie were holding hands. Because Oh, adorable. yeah, I did see that. Sorry. Yeah. I forgot to yeah so just because I thought it was just a super cute moment. And because they haven't yeah. talked about it before now. And we're like, oh, we knew that's Ed's adopted sister. And then. And Harry and Maggie have a thing. So um, this man appears and it's a different guy, not the guy they saw upstairs get shot. And Sam and Dean are like, the fuck? This is a different death echo? Because this is fucking weird now because having multiple in one location, especially when they didn't think that anybody had died there. So um, Dean's trying to like yell at him and like, buddy, wake up and like try to like shake him out of it. Because apparently you can shock the spirit out of the loop sometimes. But the ghost just kind of looks at him and then it turns around and then there's a bright light coming towards him. He gets hit by a train and his body goes flying. It's kind of funny. It was kind of funny. And I think the thing that also is noted for later is that uh, echoes can get knocked out of it if like there's a human connection. Yeah, but they have to connect to their humanity. Is the and and thing. Dean cannot connect to train, fa- mm. train facer. Train. I don't know. I mean, that... I think Dean has challenges connecting in general. So there we go. Fair, fair. But there we go. So Sam and Dean are still discussing. They're like off to the side of this conversation. And they're like, uh, there's no records of someone dying by being shot or being hit by a train or being a train here. So this is where the fuck are these death echoes coming from? If these people didn't live here or die here, this makes no sense. So um, they kind of they decided, all right, we got to search this house and try to solve some mysteries. And they figure out that the previous, the most recent owner of the home, um, is um, Freeman Freeman Daggett, uh, worked at the hospital as a janitor for a long time, and he's been dead for quite a while too. Um, they find like a huge supply of MREs. He's got this locked cabinet um, and they're, they, um, you know, they're trying to open it up. And while they're doing that, 
Um, Sam finds a survival <laughs> under atomic attack pamphlet. My comment was surprise you don't, but. <laughs> well, that's why Sam called him an optimist. Also like on the walls, there is a wolf and a deer head. So, but the wolf, I was like, love wolf, love wolf. But the deer yeah. head is what if we see that in many, uh, it is the same deer head that. Oh, is it? They use a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't wonder if he has a name. Like my deers are all my deers are all named Fred. Um yeah. but right now, like the only deer head I have is like sitting in my my closet because I don't want to hang it. Like this doesn't fit my decor. Oh, Maybe if I made him like head. a party hat and, and things, then or Tara. Tara and a boa. Yeah, perhaps. All right. So we've got um so optimistic. They this- yeah, the good is, yeah. is so it they a safe? This- it's it's like a lockbox inside of a of a small safe. And it's got a bunch of miscellaneous papers and booklet there as well, including taxidermy, like home taxidermy instructions. But Dean finds three toe tags, one guy who died of a gunshot wound, one who died of a train accident, and one suicide. So we haven't seen the suicide yet, have we? No. Oh, and that seems ominous. But Sam does have the appropriate response, which is... Ew. <laughs> Yeah. And the and the, the ghost facers don't understand why Sam's like, Ugh. and Dean finally explains to them that Daggett brought the remains home from the morgue yeah. to play. To play. And then Harry and Ed both. Yeah. And then we realize that Maggie wandered off by herself. Damn it, Maggie! What? What? What the fuck, Maggie? Fucking people. But she's like, I've got to go find Corbett. Well, you dumb bitch. This is how something bad happens. That's what I have to say. Anyways, um, so while she's wandering off and she's by a fucking mirror, her camera goes on the fritz. So I almost throw up. Um, but then it was just <laughs> Dean behind her. So yeah, and a big stuffed bird. Yeah. Uh, this that's the kind of scene where I'm covering my eyes. So I see the camera go on the fritz and I cover my face. That's yeah. So happens. there's a huge soft bird that she saw too. So that may have been when you were covering your eyes. Probably. So, and then um, they get another weird EMF reading. And um, anyways, so Dean yells, you know, for them. And there's like kind of like a weird surge. And stay, I mean, like, so at this point, Dean, Sam, Maggie, all of them are up there, but they're all standing there. And there's like this EMF reading. There's a surge. Nobody move. And then Sam disappears and his flashlight falls to the floor. What the fuck? Sam's gone. How is Sam gone? gone? He's just fucking gone. Just fucking gone. Just fucking gone. I was very upset. I'm like, this is bullshit. Because quite frankly, corporate was dragged. How the fuck did Sam just go poof? Yeah, a big, the giant look that Sam is. Like, I mean, created like, I don't know. We we did, I don't know. Do we ever actually see Sam and Daggett standing side by side? No. And so Padalecki's what six four, and and Daggett, I don't. He must be bigger than six four. I don't know. I know he's tall. I don't know. Have to have to work on that. Have to work on that. Um, We later seasons we can probably figure that out. Um, Okay, so uh, where are we? All right, so Sam's disappeared. Uh, He's John DeSantis is six nine. (laughs) What six nine? Okay, so he's 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 taller than six four, but still, that's five inches. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 a real tall motherfucker. Anyways, so um, yeah, and so now they're like, well, fuck. Dean's real upset now because now they they've really got to find 
Sam and Corbett, because obviously they'll be together. So they're all going to go searching together. Maggie and Harry, of course, split off uh, because they're making out by themselves and Spruce videos them. Because why not? Yeah. And then unfortunately, Ed uh, sees this yeah. and he goes after Harry for banging his sister. Yeah. And then he is like, did you bang my sister? And then Harry is like, no, of course not. Which makes me think that Harry just, and they have not fucked. They have just been making out because uh, he's Harry. Not yet. <laughs> yeah. But so Ed just starts fighting and then Dean breaks him up. And it's like an awful slap fight. It's terrible. But hilarious. So he reminds them that we're already down two people. So let's figure this out. So they, um, we get our next scene that we see here is just a night vision view of a cake in the song. It's my party and I'll cry if I want to is playing. <laughs> yeah. So we're at a, a birthday party and it, it's just, it's not a good birthday party. Yeah. But there's cake. Nah, there's cake old old ask old but dusty the cake, cake isn't moldy like it's not it's dusty. dusty i don't i don't know if there is dust on it and, you know like like dusty. what kind of icing like you could just wipe the dust off like you can just get like a micro towel and, isn't like, it from just, 1960 like, girls from 1964 but the cake can't survive since 1964 like it would have like been moldy like so so it's ghost cake. i'm sure it's fine i'm sure the cake is fine like i really like cake and this is very upsetting to me that you want to eat this so i like we know the ingredients they had in the 60s were just like all pure like front like oh uranium and shit so i'm sure it's completely edible still you may grow a tail but so what like the vaccines i may grow it anyways so my notes say oh shit corbett and sam are tied up at some freaky fake party that's my notes. it's not a fake party it's a real party and and Daggett will cry if he so, wants to. Sam and is trying to keep Corbett awake. Sorbet, <laughs> Sam's trying to keep Corbett awake. And you can kind of see like that there's all these like corpse hands like sitting at this table for this party. And as Sam's trying to keep Corbett awake, you hear a voice say, don't listen to him. And then he grabs a long pokey thing off the table and stands behind Corbett and shoves this thing into Corbett's brain hole i guess and corbett did yeah so he says like it stops hurting so don't worry and you saw brain i thought it was throat i don't know i um, couldn't tell all i know is he was stabbing somehow i think, somehow. It, I think I thought it was like it's i thought he did like his head and his throat i thought he stabbed him multiple times I, I when he's reliving his death scene it looks like it's all out of his throat but anyways oh, it's a horrible way i wouldn't go. be very fast that'd be very slow and very upsetting I'm thinking you would die pretty instantaneously if someone shoved a knife through your throat. I don't think so. I don't know. Anyway, so I would say like if you know, don't ever talk to us again. Like we don't want to know. I don't like know. we don't want to know. You keep that shit to yourself yeah. and go get some professional help. Maybe turn yourself into jail. Okay. So, so anyways, so we get a nice clear shot of um good old uh Daggett at this point, too. And then right about now is when Dean has figured out that there must be a fucking bunker because this guy was obsessed with Cold War shit. Yep, because he was an amateur toxidermist. He liked to slow dance with cadavers and all he ate were sea rations. Okay, so as a military woman, what the fuck is a sea ration? 
So C-ration, so C-ration was the predecessor to the MRE. MRE is what we call meals, meals ready to eat. That's right. what the military has been using for the past 20 plus years now. The C-ration is what was being used in the 50s, 40s, 50s, 60s. It usually came in a metal container as opposed to the plastic that you see today. That was so, like, honestly, she had no preparation for that question. <laughs> that was the most, like, boom, this is my knowledge. I'm dropping on you, bitch moment. Like, ah. Uh. Well, sometimes I show up unprepared and I'm really excited when I can like pull something out of my ass that I happen to know an answer. I know the answer to this question. I know it. (laughs) All right. So they had Uh, the sea rations. Yeah. Yep. I do like um, our route. So, and then we, as we cut back and forth again to the scene in the basement, which is, or the bunker, whatever, and the fucking um, Daggett spirit thing um, walks around to Sam and puts a party hat on him. Yeah, and he tells him like so he's doing it and he was like don't worry it won't hurt that much and you're expecting sam to get stabbed through the throat or the uh, head or whatever, whatever. Like, and he just gets like and honestly i tried taking a picture of my tv i'll have to get well we will get this picture sad, we will sad. get the pictures from other ways so i was like yeah. i have to send this picture to diana but it's so fuzzy like on the tv because it's so grainy because of right, how the they were vision. filming yeah. it but it reminds me of the colin robinson picture from what we do in the shadows where he has the birthday party hat on his head and i now i want both of them side side by side side. i have a goal i'll have to work on that all right so dean makes a funny reference also to ruskies at this point uh and i was like why don't we why don't we use the term ruskies anymore i mean like i don't know russia's still sketchy as fuck sorry it's not Russian's I mean, it's not, fault that Putin is fucking creepy and sketchy. Uh, it's not like I don't have to talk about Russians all the time. But I did, and we never call them Ruskies anymore. And I'm like, I think we should bring it back. Are you, I mean, are we allowed? Is that a slur? <laughs> I don't know. I don't think it is. Do we care about? I, I don't I don't know. care. All right. Anyway, so Dean's on the mission looking for this bomb, this bomb shelter says bunker. So of course... <laughs> He goes in the fucking basement. At least he has spruce with him because fucking Christ. But the door slams up behind him and is, of course, locked immediately, intentionally separating the group. Yep. So, but now we have, and so they're not alone at least, right? No, I know. So but you know with, what my feeling about this is just like. I know. But so downstairs, we're going to have Dean and Spruce. And then upstairs, we'll have uh, Ed, Harry, and Maggie, right? Is that where we're at now? Yeah. Downstairs is Dean and Spruce. Yep. Um, yep. Upstairs and is. Upstairs. Yep. Yeah. And Dean tells Ed through the door, like, go to my duffel, get the fucking salt, make a circle, get inside of it, period. Don't step out. And then? So they do. And then they're saying- Oh, no, the- no, 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 Oh. You missed that whole part. Okay. So there's, so Dean says, there's some salt in my duffel, make a circle and get inside. And then Ed says, inside. And then Harry says, that's stupid. And then Ed says, inside your duffel bag. And then Dean says, in the salt, you idiots. Oh, I totally, that totally like bypassed me. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, that's why I was like, oh, it was such a good thing. Cause they're like, yeah, it's the dumbest thing I've ever heard, but it's hilarious that's funny uh but they get inside and then things go on the fritz again that's fritzing 
Yeah. That's All right. Him. So Dean's walking around downstairs with a sawed off. And in the upstairs uh, are all. Yeah. It's not yeah. good. Upstairs is not good. Yeah. Upstairs in a very close salt circle. And I really like the way, because you, when you're watching it, everything is being done from Maggie's perspective, um, which I think we, she we glossed over yeah um, earlier so she's good, yeah her, the main at this point like well basically from about the point corbett's gone on everything has been from the perspective of maggie or spruce they're the two that consistently have cameras throughout this um we have corbett has one as well but his, his is kind of yeah. his to his head yeah. so Dean had asked her earlier if it made her feel better if she was filming, like watching things through the camera. And then she took the camera down. She was like, oh, fuck yeah, it does. And like, you know, like shoved it back up. So, but I think so from a production standpoint, so downstairs is Dean, uh, is Spruce's camera. Upstairs is Maggie's camera. Mm -hmm. And then like you said, downstairs is, the footage they had to go down and take off of Corbett's mm -hmm. head. Because you think about that's where Corbett's camera was. Yeah. So the footage just getting played of the basement came off they of Corbett's head. head. Yeah, Corbett's, Corbett's dead head. Yeah. So as Ed, Harry, and Maggie are awkwardly standing in this very small salt, salt circle, Maggie's camera starts fritzing out and all the other equipment because they're in that in their control room. So it's all kind of fritzing out. And all of a sudden, Corbett is standing there in the room, not inside the circle, obviously, but in the room. And he's all bloodied up and just whimpering. And it's very upsetting. That was, I think that's the most upsetting portion of this episode. I would absolutely agree. So, because now they're basically watching their friend suffer his own death loop. Yeah, over and over. And over again. And also, like, you're looking for your friend, and now you were like, You thought you shit, still had a chance to oh, find no. him. You didn't know, like, you know what I mean? And now you know he's dead, and you're just going to watch him live his own death over and over again because that's not traumatizing for everybody involved, yeah. um, and, including the spirit. And downstairs, though, we're going to get something that's going to bring mm. us back into, like, I think this is the only time in this episode beyond the, the you have two months left, and we're looking for your Grand Canyon that we get the acknowledgement of what's going on in the storyline of the season. Yes. Yeah. Cause Spruce asked Dean, Dean Spruce heard what Sam had said to Dean about two months left, but Dean won't really answer. And he's like, look, I'm not going to rewind to you. Cause like Spruce trying to guess like cancer, blah, 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 blah. And Dean's like, I'm not going to whine to a reality show. I'm going to do my fucking job. No, no, no. I think you have to do this appropriately with the skull bleeps. Oh, sorry. so so dean says yeah it's complicated a while ago sam no no i'm not gonna whine about my bleeping skull problems this is a bleeping skulls reality show i'm going to do my bleeping skulls job and then spruce asks is it cancer <laughs> which i think was also just really cute of just like but uh, would dean like and we've seen both dean and sam in this episode kind of embrace it on the reality show like so sam is like walking through and be like all right i'm gonna tell you what a ghost echo is like you know and right. just talking directly to the camera being like oh for those viewers at home this is what a ghost echo is and now right. we have dean being like i'm gonna have my own confessional and then he's like, no fuck that i'm not here for now i don't do right. that so He's like, they're talking about like how, or Sam, or 
Dag is telling Sam. Dag is telling Sam how he's been waiting for more guests. And then on the other side of the bunker, Dean hears the music and he finds the door to the fucking bunker. And right when the spirit's about to kill fucking Sam, Dean opens the door and blasts him with a motherfucking salt shotgun shell. So, yeah. um, uh, also when Dean kicks in the door, uh, he will, no, he pushes, he didn't kick, he pushes a cabinet away from the wall yeah. and Spruce is like, wow, you're strong. And then Dean just flicks him off and they pixelate like him, like the flipping finger, off the camera. Finger, yeah. Which so, is like, Dean gets uh, you see you see that Corbett's dead now it's his body you know, I just realized it, but you see him dead and um, Dean's able to free Sam but you actually get like a shot of this table at this point and y'all this is real fucking creepy shit's real real weird this guy is not right I don't I'm not eating his motherfucking cake I don't care so but his but cake like so the cake is I still think it's a ghost cake the cake is like from 60 years ago so hold on. Like, now if it's a ghost cake does that mean it like the calories don't count because at that point we can have a different conversation about ghost cake well I mean so clearly I mean like let's let's dig into this problem of all right so we have I'd rather dig apple- into a piece of cake yeah I would like to dig into a piece of cake but do we want to take it to this cake? That yes. is the question. Is this cake like, so is this cake part of the manifestation, right? Because he's not baking a cake. Like Daggett did not go to the bakery. Like this no. is part of the manifestation of the past 60 years or however long, like the party has been going down there. So does ghost cake taste like it was made that day or does it taste like 60 years later? Because that would be, in, that would be infinite cake. Right? Does it have calories? Oh, I don't give a shit if cake has calories. We're gonna eat it anyways. But, but it'd be really nice. It'd be really well, like I, see, I think where you nice would food. like what it'd be like, does it have sugar? And so no, can no, I, I drink wine? Like well, well, no, yeah, can I drink I wine and eat the cake and not worry about like getting I fucked up? I do care about that. I do care. You do. I really because like cake you- and I really like wine and I can't have both at the same time because it makes me feel like shit. Yeah. And it's stupid. So if it doesn't have the sugar then you could have ghost cake and drink wine and you could drink ghost wine. So like ghost wine, like probably wouldn't give you a hangover. Right. I mean, it better not. That'd be just extra fucks. Right. <laughs> anyway, so we see though, this it's basically, you know, a long table and y'all, I mean, obviously if you're listening, you watch the show. So the table with the birthday cake and poor Sam and his awful birthday hat before Dean frees him. And you see three human male bodies fully taxidermied poorly not well these are creepy creepy faces creepy fucking hands creepy home taxiderming people sitting at this table so my other question is are these ghosts or are they the actual taxidermied corpses oh i think the actual corpses i think that's what i found why is the cake not real i think the cake is fucking old i think the bunker was sealed up until then i don't know so it's just having the same cake this is all it cares about it's like i just care about the cake but i mean but ghost cake 
So, but, okay, uh, so we've got Ghost Daggett, but the three corpses are legit which, corpses. So, and, the and, and, we find, and we and we find th- there's three taxidermy corpses, which are the three original toe tags, right? So we've got the shot, vic- the the gunshot victim, the train guy, and a suicide, which we never really see the story of. But then here's my question. So Corbett down, Corbett gets killed down there. We know that Sam was about to get killed and gets dragged out. Okay. But what happened to all these other people that supposedly disappeared there over the years? I mean, like ghost Daggett didn't ghost taxidermy their asses. Why are they at the party? Why are they there? Is is there a pile of bones in the corner? Like, I don't know. We didn't see any of that. So what happened to all the people that supposedly disappeared? Good point. Fair. They probably just sent him a cake and they were like, they were like, eh, I don't want to eat your ghost cake. And he was like, fuck you, you go sit in that other room. Yeah. So now they're like, they don't even get the party, they don't get the hats, they don't get the cake. They're just stuck in another fucking room. Oh. All right. So all right. We so we've got where are we at? All right. So we got dead Ed, Corbett. Ed, and Ed's rocking, Ed's upstairs. Well, yeah, Ed's back upstairs. We've got Ed rocking back and forth on the floor. And uh, this is where they pretty much figured out that Corbett is a death echo and he's reliving his murder. And um, Harry and uh, Maggie and Ed are all really upset about this. So we cut back down to the basement though, where Spruce um, is asking Sam what this guy's deals was. And Sam's like, uh, he was lonely, like Norman Bates, stuff your mother lonely. Yeah, and Dean answers that, well, he's never heard of Real Doll, which, I, okay, I had to do a shout out, Kelly, if you're listening. Uh, Bearcat. So there was the most amazing documentary, I don't know if it was documentary or like whatever, like like HBO used to have these weird sex documentaries and they had one on Real Doll and there was a guy named Bearcat and he had a love of his life was his Real Doll. So go look that oh. up. Okay, we oh. all love a Real Doll. All right, so Daggett was a normal bait stuff your mother kind of lonely. And I guess that's why he lifted the bodies from the morgue. He threw himself a birthday party, except they were the only ones who would come. Anyway, so- I mean, at midnight- I don't think I'd go to a party if I knew a guy had a bunch of taxidermied corpses there. Pretty- well, <laughs> Liz is like, I might go. I don't know. I might have to go. Is that explicitly on the invite? Like, come see. Because, like, are you? Ex- it's not like, like are you. No, it's not a feature. It's like these are the other guests. It's not a feature. It's a bug. Uh, but if it's you know, if it's like, hey, come to my house and see my taxidermy squirrels playing poker. No, I think this is more like coming to my party, but no one else is coming except for the dead bodies I taxidermied. But does he tell you that the dead body is going to be there? Because I could see me feeling very sorry for Daggett and being like, no one's going to come to his party. I'll go be nice and go to And also like, I have nothing else to do, I guess. Like I'm Daggett's friend. Call me in 10 minutes so I can leave early. Yeah. If if I don't, like if you don't hear from me for an hour, this is the house that I went to. Like I dropped my pen. Come dig me up from the back. Um. But anyway, so this is where like Sam kind of gives like the next the, 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 this is what happened. All right. And so he threw himself a birthday party. They're the only ones who would come. And I just I, I, I also think this is a very weird way of saying it. It's like it's not like they were the only ones who would come. Like they're no, the only ones. It's a very weird situation. Time. He yeah. kidnapped. He stole dead bodies from the morgue. 
taxidermied them and then sent out birthday invitations and then was bummed that no one wanted to hang out with them because he was the dude that would have that they could have guessed would have done shit like this i want to see these invitations like because clearly this is pre-evite right so like did he like go to a stationery was it word of like, mouth was it like did he did put he a flyer a, up in the was break there a room or the hospital? involved like, you know i'm just like did he go to kinko's and like run off a flyer and he's like come to my birthday okay did he go to a mimeograph machine and like like oh god then he had that Typer- purple ink typewriter oh, typewriter sorry i just got a mimeograph like mind sense um but anyway so um Sam says, so he sealed them in at the bomb shelter and went upstairs and OD'd on horse tranks, which is also like, how many horse tranquilizers it take to kill that dude? Like, I was like, oh, wait, he was big. You're right. I get your point. That dude probably took like, I don't know, he could found a rave the amount of ketamine it would take to bring that dude down. I was about to make it, I was about to be like, oh, I mean, like. But it's also kind of sad because he just wants people to come to his party. I don't know. Like it was sad. It would have been sad up to a point, and he was that up to the point that he was stealing dead bodies. That's kind of where it stops being sad. I mean, technically, he stole the bodies before he invited them to the party. When he stole the bodies, it stopped being sad. I'm just saying. Uh, so apparently he's, and apparently he told Sam all of this. So there's a dialogue that we did not see, which I kind of feel like if that supposedly occurred, it probably was recorded on Corbett's camera. And that may have been a more interesting way to have shared that information with us. Which is creepier. Oh, it's way creepier, but at the same time, it would have been yeah, a really It's a better way. traumatic device of yeah. Sam to be like, he told me. All right, so we're going to go back up to our assault party. (sighs) And Harry is just singing the Ghostfacers theme song to himself. Yeah. And, um, but Ed suddenly remembers what Dean tried to do with the train guy. And he's like, I've got to get Corbett out of the loop. I owe it to him. So he's about to step out of the fucking salt. And I'm like, oh my God. It's a very, this is a very upsetting and traumatic scene. And Corbett looks super scared. And, um, yeah. So um, Ed's trying to connect with him and free him from the loop, but it's just not really connecting with him yet. I do have another comment though. Why is Corbett standing during this death loop? And that sitting, I don't know. There's a lot of problems with this. Okay, sorry. <laughs> like, All right. Cause I'm also so, like, I saw the next, my next notes and I'm confused by my next note. So you go with yours and see if okay. they make sense. Well, Sam, we can, we cut back down to the basement. Sam and Dean are with Spruce and they're trying to get, his, Spruce is still shooting. They're trying to get out of the basement, but the, the door is still locked. The camera goes on the fritz. And of course, um, Daggett's spirit grabs Spruce, but Dean, uh, Sam's able to shoot him. And we've got kind of like a fight ensuing off and on downstairs between Daggett and uh, Sam and Dean with Spruce still shooting. But back upstairs, Harry tells, this is where Harry tells Ed that Corbett had feelings for Ed. And um, he's like, you gotta yeah, go okay. be, yeah, you gotta go be gay okay, so for pa- So pausing for this, so pausing, and this is where I got confused in my notes because I have, you know, so Dean's trying to beat the door of the basement down and then Sam gives Maggie lip for still shooting and Dean tells him he makes her feel, makes her feel better. Did I just copy and paste something wrong in my notes? I think you did. Yeah, I think okay, that makes more sense. Okay, but when the camera is switching downstairs, this is when Spruce, call, Spruce calls it a ghost roll. Oh, okay. Ghost roll. Uh, ghost roll. And that's why I started calling it ghost roll instead of fritzing. But I like it. 
I like that term, like for like things that are fritzing in and out, like calling it a ghost roll. I like it. Um, so, but this is where Harry informs Ed that Corbett had the had feelings for Ed, and says, "quote You got to go be gay for that poor dead intern." And, and also, I want to say, whoever did the transcript that is OfficeSupernaturalWiki.com. You were a fucking genius because this is what they put in their transcript. So Harry says he wanted you. Ed, what, what wanted me to what? Harry, you know. Harry demonstrates with a slight grunt and pelvic thrust. Yeah. And you know what you've got to do. You can do it, Ed. You've always been the brave one. Yes, you can. You make us brave, right? And so, Ed, you got to be gay for that poor dead intern. You got to send him into the light. But also, transcript person, slight grunt, pelvic thrust. Nicely done. All the applause. Nicely All the done. applause. So he goes out and uh, Maggie follows Ed, to, uh, Ed out of the assault, which is a weird choice, but again, she wants to get a better shot. And everybody's all, I mean, obviously they're all very upset about Corbett right now. And so uh, Ed kind of does a confessional about how much um, Corbett meant to the team and to him and says that, that he loves him. And then, but you kind of see like Corbett's spirit kind of like eyes refocus and he sees Ed and it's a very weird, like heartfelt scene. And you're expecting just that Ed's like, oh, I'm going to free Corbett from his loop. But you kind of see that Ed's got a different idea and he asks Corbett to help them. Oh, what? yeah. Shit's going to change. What? Oh, yeah. So we cut back to the basement where there is a big, big fucking brawl still going on back and forth between like spirit gets shot with a fucking shotgun that he comes back and then he's fighting Sam and Dean again and blah, blah, blah. And they can't get out of the fucking basement still. And um, then the yeah. stop, the fight kind of stops and Corbett's there. Well, before the fight stops, we think that he's going after Spruce, right? Right. They he starts going after Spruce. And, and we get a ghost roll. And so yeah. now I'm calling. It, so it's interesting to you, like, yeah. So I'm just calling it ghost roll now. Uh, so before this, like, the it was not fritzing while they were fighting with uh, with Daggett. And, and then, Fritz went and get Daggett first showed, showed up. up. So I guess the Fritz happens when they like pop it's like an in. appearance. Yeah, it's like when they first show up. It, they, they okay. All right. Yeah, because even so, like think about how they got the footage of the guy upstairs. Remember. Like the first one that they said was a death echo, they got shot. Like the everything went fritzed or ghost, ghost loop or ghost rolls. Excuse me, ghost rolled. But then <laughs> it went I mean, too many things now. So it went on the fritz slash ghost rolled. But then they were able to get clear footage of the guy saying his last words and getting shot. So it's just when the ghost appears that it goes wonky. Fair. All right. So then we get a ghost fight. Corbett shows up. What the fuck? And Spirit Corbett attacks Spirit Daggett and they're like wrestling and there's a big flash of light. Everything goes black and they're both fucking gone. Yeah, it was like a ghost. I was like ghost whirlwind. Mm-hmm. I don't know. They kind of just like grab each other and they like spin around. They, ha- they, ha- they, ha- they like, it's like a mean hug. They have a mean hug. Okay. <laughs> it's an angry hug. An angry hug. <laughs> and then they, and then they're gone. So, um, and then you see Sam and Dean get up off the ground. And 
Yeah, and Spruce is still filming, which is, I think, and and this is like, you know, so all those, like we said, are coming from these different cameras. So as the guys are getting off the floor, like Spruce just like kind of goes in for a close up and then Dean just like shoves his hand over the camera. It's like, we're fucking done. And which we we almost think would like would be the end of the episode, but it's not. Like there's some more. There's time. So it's- Ghost facers. And we show um, the, all of the remaining ghost facers minus poor Corbett um exiting the house at dawn and there's a dramatic monologue courtesy of of, of harry and ed about you know, yeah lost so, a friend but gained allies yeah so the, ed gives this dramatic voiceover and he is like leap year february 29th the morton house a tragic day a day of souls bound in torment of lives held in cruel balance with the ghost facers they did the best they could and then Harry comes in. We lost a beloved friend, but we gained new allies. And at this point, as they're all working out, we can see Dean rolling his eyes. Yeah. yeah. And but you also see Sam hand some like a small slip of paper to Ed, which I thought was interesting too. Like yeah. I so which you're assuming that's number. a phone number. Yeah. yeah. And Harry and Maggie at this point are just hugging, like they're just like our love oh, yeah. is out in the world. We are, we are we're open with our love now. Yep. Mm-hmm. And um yeah. And they had a cute little monologue to Corbett where, you know. Well, they cut that to to uh, Ghostbusters. Like they're in their chairs again. They're in their like. Back for their outro, like they were for their intro. And Ed says something along the lines of gay love pierces through the veil of death and saves the day. And it goes into this war changes man thing, which yeah. I don't get. I, I is a reference to something, but I don't know what it is. And I'm, I think it's a boy thing. But he says yeah. like war changes man, and then Harry is like and Maggie because yeah. we're like bitch, like we, we got girls like yes and Maggie. So war changes man and Maggie, and then we're going to go to promoting Corbett to full ghost facer fully facer status. Yeah, and that it would have been cool to have a ghost on the team. Yeah, because they they're hoping that they were hoping that Corbett, Ghost Corbett would have hung out with them. So we back we pan out more, and we realize that all of what we've been watching is what the brothers have been watching along with the remaining Ghost Facers in the garage watching this drinking beer. And I'm just gonna say, I think we all know that good old Winchester brothers are not gonna let some network pick up Ghost Facers with them in it. But they also think it's kind of great. Um, we do like they cut two scenes of um, Corbett loading up the van and doing his confessional, and we get a freeze to in memory of Alan J. Corbett, nineteen eighty-five, yeah. two thousand eight, King of the Impossible, and everybody's drinking beers as they're watching this too. And Dean's like, "Yeah, I mean, it's half awesome." And Sam's like, "Yeah, I mean, it's bizarre how you're all able to honor Corbett's memory while grossly exploiting the manner of his death." Well done. That was hilarious. A very hilarious line. I really like that line. So, um, and as we're watching, like this kind of pan out, and they're all kind of like just chatting about it because the ghost faces are all excited about doing something with this footage. This this episode they've edited obviously down, and. You see Dean kind of fiddle with a bag that he has on the floor. So, um, yeah, Ed's basically super committed to sharing the truth. And the brother's like, yeah, you know what that gets you? Get you a fucking straight jacket or a punch in the face or both. People don't want to hear the fucking truth. People don't want to know about this shit. Don't do it. Keep it, keep it quiet. And Harry is like, don't be a face or face or hater. 
facer haters. Facer haters. The facer haters. Century. Footage of the century. Yeah, there was some commentary or interview I was watching where somewhere they just called Sam and Dean face haters. And I also pretty much enjoy that term. So. Face haters. <laughs> face haters. So the brothers are like, all right, guys, whatevs. And they bail, right? And yeah, and so they leave and Ed closes the door and we get another shot of the Coven poster. Yeah, we do. And then Ed realizes there's a bag where Dean was sitting. And so he goes to look inside and it's this kind of wonky looking device um and all the screens start going static very ghost rolly but minus the ghosts and the computer says no operating system found so every computer in the room just got wiped by the way if, that, if i was in that room and i had my phone i'd be fucking pissed so. yeah so so mad so we see our brothers back at the impala and apparently it was a uh, dean had an electromagnet and wiped it all yeah, I mean, basically just said an EMF point. So, um, so all their computers are now wiped by the facer haters. And so, and Dean was just like, yeah, uh, they wiped out every tape and hard drive they had. And Sam's like, the world just ain't ready for the ghost facers. And Dean's like, too bad, kind of like the show. And Sam's like, it had its moments. Yeah. And then they get a cut to ghost, ghost faces. Yep. There we go. Uh, I told you it was gonna be a long one, Diana. I'm sorry. I told you. there's just too much in this. They, it's they, too fun. It was very fun, and we had a lot of commentary, so it's fine. But I don't know if I have they, much else. I I guess I just want to know, like, overall. Like, so I guess this is when the first, like, super, like, we've done some meta things in the past, but this is like we're just ripping fun at everything that we do and everything that the world thinks of as paranormal so i I thought it was super fun i thought it was a neat a neat approach i thought it was a nice breakup too you know honestly it's been yes they always try to add some humor and i know we've had some funny stuff with like the episode with dean dying eight million times but like honestly that was a really like the the turn it went from being very slapstick to being really fucking really fucking dark really fast and this added i think a fun layer of being a little bit more relatable in a lot of ways it kind of made it more quote-unquote real but also made it um, uh, very, a little bit more lighthearted and accessible and easier to like be excited about the characters in some ways. Does that make sense? Instead of sad? Yeah, no, it does. I, I think we also- down to the last two months, and Dean's gonna fucking die. Like, all right, well, is the series over? Is the show over? Are they gonna do something dumb? Like, I mean, cause obviously like, I'm not, guess what guys? I know I haven't seen this show before, but I realized that Dean doesn't leave the show in two months. <laughs> like I'm, I figured this out. Yeah. Okay. I mean, so, I mean, it, it's kind of like, all right, we know, I know something is going to happen, but this was a nice little break. Yeah. Uh, other things I think that are important is to think about this episode in the temporal span. Oh, I just threw in some big ass words there, but um, so this is like we said, this is right after the writer's strike. So this is also, I think, a very tongue-in-cheek moment of everybody who said we don't need writers, we're just gonna have reality TV now. Because uh, this is really when reality TV yeah. was like starting off. I mean, Ghost Hunters was pretty new, it was 2008. So yeah. this is pre-Zach Biggins days. Like Ooh. we didn't even have ghost adventures yet. Like this was the original paranormal ghost like ghost time but even that we had i think this is like the first bachelors or first real housewives like 
all that shit that replaced on things during the writer strike and if you're a young child you don't remember this but there is a time when there was no tv because there was a writer strike and so this was the actual writer is like being like fuck you reality TV. yeah which i think yeah. is great so layers on layers so many layers i'm like an onion a supernatural onion supernatural onion is that like a ghost cake it's like a ghost (laughs) cake but still like much like the regular blooming onion i don't know where to find one so god damn it someone sent me a blooming onion all right right. so with that all right cheers jerk cheers (laughs) thanks for listening to this week's episode of devil's trap podcast be sure to follow us on instagram devil's trap podcast twitter devil's trap pod or you can email us devilstrap at devilstrappodcast.com. Don't forget to subscribe, leave reviews, and share it with all your friends. We're available at all your major podcast listening devices, or you can always find us at devilstrappodcast.com. Thanks. Devil's Trap Podcast is a don't be a dick production. Meow. Intro music, arrangement and performance by Dave Cox. Piano arrangement and performance by Bobby Orozco. Meow.